guys. Welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is a spoiler show. Keep that in mind. Episode 70 of Lords of Order, marching right along. If you want to send feedback, you can email me at the Dr. Fate fan podcast at gmail.com. Lords of Order has pages on Facebook and Google+. You leave comments, of course. The website where I post the episodes are bigtimenoise.com slash Fate, which is part of the Comic Book Noise Network, part of the Deliberate Noise Network. All thanks for those networks go to Mr. Derek Coward. Also on Twitter, Teal Productions, T-E-A-L, if you want to twit at me. Today's episode, I'll be talking about All-Star Comics, the first volume, issue 11, the June-slash-July 1942 issue. Now, as always, we have the opening and ending bookends, and then I will be talking about the Dr. Fate story. There is a podcast out there, current, once a month, talking about the entire issue of All-Star Comics. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. Look it up if you want to hear everybody's uh, parts of the book. I'm just interested in Dr. Fate, of course, because he's the best part. Now, the bookends were scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled and inked by Jack Burnley. Our portion, The Dr. Fate, that I'll be focusing on was scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled, inked, and lettered by Mr. Howard Sherman. These issues can be found, or I'm sorry, this issue can be found reprinted in All-Star Comics Archives number 3 that DC put out in 1997. Now this issue is a little bit different. Um, We start off with uh, an announcement here, uh, basically the the narrator, if you will, is catching us up. He, or she, tells us that December 7th, 1941, a treacherous, sly attack upon the Pearl Harbor Naval Base at Hawaii by Japanese bombers and simultaneous raids upon Wake Island, Midway, and Guam, the Philippines undergo parachute attacks. All America rises to the savage challenge. Bombers sink a Jap battleship. Marines gallantly defend their country's soil, and aircraft carriers launch fierce counter-raids. The Justice Society of America explodes with righteous indignation. They, I've always liked that phrase, righteous indignation. They, too, demand their chance to fight for the country they love best. And so at this memorable meeting of the Justice Society, once again we have Hawkman, the Hawkman, the Sandman, the Atom, Dr. Fate, Dr. Midnight, Starman, Johnny Thunder, the Spectre, and as guest star in a national emergency, Wonder Woman. And I'll speak a little bit about that here when we get there. We open the story. Hawkman is there first. He has called the meeting, so he's inside. He's seeing the other people approach. Spectre, Fate, Adam, Johnny Thunder, Starman, Dr. Midnight, they all approach later, separately. Now, as each approaches, those that we have already seen are saying or thinking things to let us know that the human alter egos of all these men want to enlist, or are going to enlist, and they don't know how to break the news to their fellow superheroes, that basically they will retire uh, the costume in favor of as the man slash woman, although in this case there aren't any, but will join the armed forces and fight the, the, the good fight. 
So they all gathered together. Hawkman breaks the news first. He's the chairman. He called the meeting for that purpose, to announce that he, as Carter Hall, was going to do that. And then everyone starts cheering and, and being ecstatic. And he's uh, Hawkman is thinking, well, actually, he says it. Wow, I, I guess you guys really didn't like me as chairman. You're all so happy that I'm leaving. And one by one or in groups, they start telling him and everyone else assembled that, you know, well, actually, no, we're not happy that you're leaving. We're happy because we don't have to be the one to break the news that we were going to do the same thing on down the line. The intro continues on with um, we see some of the men starting to go through the process of physicals and everything like that. Wesley Dodds, um, Carter Hall. Wesley Dodds is uh, Sandman, Carter Hall, Hawkman. They're starting to go through the motions. The Spectre uh, tells us as a ghost I'll keep just as busy working on the home front. There's plenty to do. And then we immediately cut into, or not cut into, but bleed into more, more actually, um, Hawkman's tale. So we, we start following Hawkman. Rather than having that nice division in the story where they tell us, you know, here ends this and then the individual missions, the closing bookend does the same thing. The final mission kind of bleeds into the final bookend. So um, it, it's a little more seamless than what previous issues have been. So now the interesting thing is that after Hawkman's issue, he goes to visit the um, naval vessel that Shira, a uh, hawk girl, has been assigned to. And she tells him that Wonder Woman is also on that vessel. And so we get the Wonder Woman story right there. Uh, Interesting development by the end of the book. We'll have to see. uh, I forget. This may be the start of her membership, but we'll have to see um, in subsequent issues when I talk about them. And I say it that way because I typically don't really read ahead of these because I like to keep things as fresh in my mind as I can. With all, and not to brag, but I read probably hundreds of comic books a month. So if I read this two or three weeks later, recorded on it, I would forget most of it. My memory is just a sieve. All right, Dr. Fate. Once again, narrator tells us Kent Nelson has volunteered for the toughest of all Army jobs, the parachute troops. At Fort Benning, he trains with his comrades for active service somewhere on the Pacific. Um, I thought it was in the Pacific, but anyways. So we go to Kent Nelson going through training. Uh, He has finished training and is assigned a garrison that is attempting to take back Un-Alaska Island. Or Now the the commanding officer just says some of our bases at Un-Alaska. Now I I intended to look this up. I, I didn't think to beforehand. I am not aware of Unalaska being an actual term. Okay, through the wonders of technology and Google, I did just look it up, and Unalaska is indeed an actual place. Not only is it a city, but it is also an island, and it is one of the larger islands of the Aleutian Isles. Now, in the story, they do make mention of the Aleutian Isles, so I knew it was there, but I, I had never heard of Unalaska, um, Interesting enough, given that the name of the state is Alaska. So, so the the Japanese have taken over on Alaska. The American forces are trying to take it back. Kent is part of the paratroopers that are going to be sent in to 
to something. Now, we find out that the initial forces, uh, American forces, have been driven off the island. So Kent's paratroopers are sent in to retake the island. So they deliver uh, their payload, paratroopers, and as they're parachuting down, Kent realizes that the Japanese are prepared and they're mowing his men down. So as he's descending, he slips out of his paratrooper outfit and into his Dr. Fate wardrobe, which, oddly enough, he was wearing underneath it. Now, I thought that was kind of curious because I thought he was entering the military as Kent Nelson, uh, kind of putting Dr. Fate aside. Now, of course, he can always call on those powers. So perhaps he doesn't wear his uniform underneath. Perhaps he can conjure his uniform kind of like like Green Lantern can, something like that. Being that his body is made of pure energy, uh, you know, I guess that that would allow that kind of thing for him. Plus, he's a magician, and as we know from, I, I don't say these words often on the show, but as we know from Marvel Comics, it's magic. You can do anything. So, Dr. Fate drops down into the midst of the Japanese forces and starts physically... Um, uh, uh, defeating the the men, not using magic, but through human force, fisticuffs, and uh, American quips, which the Japanese respond to in kind, oddly enough, uh, he starts dismantling the forces. The Americans are finally down and safe, and they've uh, collected their gear, stowed their parachutes, all that kind of stuff from a, uh air insertion. They hook up with Dr. Fate because uh, one of the men says, hey, did you see that dude in blue and gold run past me and take out those Jap troops? And another one of the men tells him, well, don't you recognize him? That's Dr. Fate. So they know, they rally around Fate. Uh, he automatically, being the superhero, is is put in the lead, and they defer to him. What are we going to do now, Dr. Fate? They ask him, and he says, well, how about we do this? We go here. I'll do this part. You guys do that part. When we're done, we'll meet back up together, see how things stand. So that's what they do. They start taking out uh, group after group, nest after nest of Japanese soldiers, of checkpoints, guard posts, whatnot, until they are on high ground looking down at the actual Japanese base that has been set up on, on Alaska Island. Once again, uh, Dr. Fate suggests that he prove the diversion. You know, he'll do this kind of thing. You guys take out all these other things and we'll meet back up together. So what he does is he phases through the roof of a, perhaps a command shed, it looks like, uh, where the Japanese are talking about these reports of this mystery man being on the island. So the reports have kind of filtered in, but nothing hard and fast that they know who it is, or even if the Japanese would be aware at this point of knowing who Dr. Fate is, because he has operated almost exclusively on American soil. So worldwide, word might not have gotten out too, too much about these uh, American costumed heroes, because we find... Uh, excuse me, I find, as I'm reading these Golden Age books, as World War II comes up, other countries don't seem to have like counterparts. So the outbreak of superheroism, superhero-dumb, occurred first in 
America, in the United States. But then, over time, as uh, necessary, necessary foes were conceived by the creators, they started popping up in other countries. Interestingly, I would think that whatever occurred would have occurred about the same time worldwide, and you would see outbreaks of vigilante do-gooders everywhere because mentalities worldwide are approximately the same. Uh, Just my thoughts. Dr. Fate uh, defeats the bad guys by fisticuffs there inside a little bit, but he throws them back up through the roof, allowing them to phase through the roof. They land on the roof and slide down outside towards waiting American troops, who at first threaten to catch the men with the points of their bayonet. And then when the Japanese troops say they surrender, the American troops stand aside and let them fall to the ground. Um, One point landing, lots of quips and, and whatnot. Fate grabs up the commander of the Japanese forces here on on Alaska and asks, where are the ships that brought you here? Are they bringing any more? So he finds out that, yes, indeed, the ships have been notified that the Japanese troops are being whittled down, all but defeated. They need help. So Dr. Fate heads out to sea. He sees the convoy Uh, The narrator tells us his entire body composed of pure energy which cannot be destroyed. The man of mystery forms himself into a human bullet and blasts right through the battleships he attacks. So he becomes a bomb, he becomes a torpedo, he becomes, you know, whatever device you want to say. And one by one sinks the ships, saving the American forces, turning over the island of Unalaska to... American forces, he tells uh, the troops that he will resume his civilian identity as Kent Nelson put his uniform back on. Don't tell anybody that I'm here. So now he is trusting his secret identity to however many of the soldiers have actually seen both personas, Kent Nelson and Dr. Fate. All right, the book continues on through the adventures of the other. Uh, Justice Society members, until our bookend, our closing bookend, we are at a meeting of commanders of high rank in the American Army, finding one subject especially popular. So commander after commander is talking about his interaction with the hero of choice, where, where whichever hero they were around. And they start talking about and then arguing about which hero is the best which I think is is goofy, you would think they would just all sit back and say, you know, we're going to win this thing now that we got this stuff going on, rather than arguing about it. But they argue. Until Johnny Thunder comes up with an idea. And he tells him, hang on, let me gather everybody up. So he sends his thunderbolt out to gather the crew, and they all come together. The highest ranking commander there tells the justice society basically or not basically he comes out and tells them do you realize that you and your justice society are disrupting my army and they're like what disrupting what and he tells them well the commanding officers that have served with all of you men now spend more time arguing over which of you is the better man than actually commanding my armies and trying to win this war there is recognition given to wonder woman who was also gathered up and Uh, brought here with the other heroes of the Justice Society. 
So now the members are concerned. Well, you know, what can we do to help this problem? And the commander says um, that he's wired Washington for permission to make you a special battalion on Johnny Thunder's advice to be known as the Justice Battalion of America. Uh, We get hoorays and swell news and everything. Dr. Fate proffers, and I think Wonder Woman ought to be a member too. So I say perhaps this is the start of her involvement in the Justice Society of America. Thank yous and attaboys go around. Hawkman thanks the commanding officer of the general and says that the Justice Society will do the best that they can in serving their country. Johnny Thunder is the final panel. He says, hey, how am I going to be in an army battalion? I'm in the Navy. Golly, I always have to have something to worry about. So we leave it off with a little bit of humor there. Very little. Next issue, um, I'm not completely sure how this is going to go. I've been trying to cover, uh, based on another website that I have found, Dr. Fate's Adventures Chronologically. Now we're getting into a part of World War II where the All-Star Squadron is involved. Being that that's a team book, uh, and it's been 20 years or better since I read them. Although, interesting story. Um, The first seven issues of All-Star Squadron was the first books that I bought after publication from a mail-order comic book wholesaler because I had found 8, 9, and 10 on shelf and, or on a spinner rack, and I thought, man, it would be cool if I could get the rest of these. Of course, there were ads in the books. So naive was I that I sent actual money and change in an envelope to this company. Uh, maybe it was New Jersey Comics or something like that, and got the first seven issues of All-Star Squadron uh, in the mail. And I remember getting them in the mail one day that I was deathly sick, laying there on the bed in uh, my living room, sick as a dog, reading these new All-Star Squadrons. I, yeah, uh, kids stuff. That was, Anyways, just interesting story. Sideline side there. But I don't know how into talking about the All-Star Squadron I will be when it comes to discussing Dr. Fates. Now, personally, I love the All-Star Squadron. All-Star Squadron, Infinity, Inc., Young All-Stars, the um, the universe that um, was put together by Roy and Dan Thomas uh, there, I, I really dug that, and I still do, uh, to the extent that there should be an All-Star Squadron podcast out there, uh, but there's not one that I'm aware of. So, we will have to see. Uh, if Dr. Fate isn't significantly involved in any of those stories, I'll pass it up. I'll make a reference to it, and I'll move on to the next book that's listed in the chronology. But we'll see. He, he was a founding member of the All-Star Squadron. Um, he was in the first five issues, but I don't recall how significantly. We'll see how it plays out. But for episode 71 of the show, All-Star Squadron issue one will be the subject. Talk to you guys then. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license.